welcome to this episode of Cargo Facts Connect, the podcast of Cargo Facts, the newsletter of record for the air cargo and freighter aircraft industries for over 40 years. I'm your host, Andrew Kreger, Associate Editor of Cargo Facts. And I'm Robert Lou, just the co-host and Associate Editor at Cargo Facts. And I'm Jeff Lee, just the editor of Cargo Facts. I don't understand why you're beating with the prepositions with just, because you two had a huge week. I know last week we were all busy with the AUSBI conference, but this week was Cargo Facts Latin. How was it, guys? Well, first, before we begin, I, I definitely got to give a shout out to all of the panelists. They were wonderful. Um, I would just give out a few names, but all of them had, you know, significant roles in making this event a success. But, you know, Larissa Ramos of Awesome Cargo, Thank you. You got you were great. Jal Pita over at the uh, Sao Paulo Airport. Very, 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 very informational and fully exposing great things to come at that airport down there. Um, I definitely got to give a shout out to Carlos Koch over at Extreme Holdings. Thank you for joining my panel. Uh, I appreciate you. I look forward for greater things to come forward from you and can't wait to see you guys at the next event again. Jaime Alvarez. Man, you were the highlight of the show. Copa has got a truly talented uh, executive manager of their cargo, excuse me, senior director of their cargo. And I just love the personality. He definitely represented the region very well. Um, and Frank Diaz, I'm looking forward to seeing great things coming forward with SkyCana and uh, with your partner at Venus Dominius over at SmartLinks Airlines. And also I can't forget Mario Fernandez. You were truly, truly, a great representation of the logistics sector and how important of a role that's going to play in an emerging market down in Latin America. That being said, um, it was a really great experience for the first time. We felt the presence of the region. We felt the uh, unison behind all the operators and the lessors and all of the other key stakeholders that attended the sessions. We came away learning so much more than what we thought we would actually be able to bring. Um, you know, just listening to our colleague Guillermo Ochovo and all of the information that he provided in his in his sessions and the uh, marketing trends analysis he provided. Uh, I think this region is on fire, not just because you know, it's been a long time coming emerging market, but I can really sense that these guys are hungry to make their presence felt in the industry as a whole and collectively come together to uh, overcome a lot of the obstacles that they're facing in the region. Jeff, do you want to kind of pick up and chime in here on some of those challenges that they may be facing? Yeah, um, I was going to say um, definitely true with all the speakers, but uh, yeah, and there definitely were um, some uh, great characters um, at this event. I think it was just, um, I got the impression that people were happy that we um, finally brought our event to this region. Um, it's certainly an, a very interesting one with new players and uh, new, new developments, uh, fleet renewals. So it's just a, a very dynamic um, market. And there's, uh, I mean, everybody agreed, I think that um, there's a lot of potential, um, untapped potential. Um, so yeah, we, we look forward to, um, to returning to the region, wherever that may be. Um, and you also um, mentioned uh, Ed Vinas at SmartLinks. Um, so we were able to um, sit down with him um, for a, a more detailed chat um, on their A321s. So it, it was just good to hear from him and um, ask a few more questions about, because they are the biggest operator of that type and they are looking to expand out of Europe. Um, and of course, 
Latin America is one of the regions um, where they're they're looking to to build up a footprint, um, and they've started doing that. Hi Ed, so it's uh, nice to see you here in the Latin America region, um, a region I know SmartLinks is keen to grow and expand into. Um, let's just get your views on the ACMI uh, or the demand for ACMI uh, freighter services in this part of the world. Yeah, so hello once again, uh, really, really pleasure to, to have this conversation. And to be here, first time in the LATAM Cargo Facts uh, and uh, represent SmartLinks here. So in general, uh, this is one of the biggest and unserved regions, I think, so on the both ACMI and also looking on the narrow body uh, fleet one-to-one freighter side. So definitely for the SmartLinks is looking um, uh, quite, quite positive on the opportunities and also on the development uh, of the business. So we know that it's still a lot of work to do to, to introduce ourselves as an operator and also uh, Airbus like uh, a product for the market. So I believe this is this is quite challenging but very interesting uh, thing what we need to, uh, to follow and what we need to, to do. And what about specifically for um, the A321? Why do you think that aircraft type um, is particularly suitable for this region? So one another way we, <clears throat> we see that 321 is like more volume uh, based uh, with the 800 let's say but we even trying not to compare these two units uh, but uh, 75 as the biggest competitor one another way is phasing out step by step uh, from from the market and definitely the uh, the reliable technology and also the technology which is saving money we can simply say that 30 percent almost 30 percent uh, difference on the direct operational cost comparing to 75 definitely will have a big impact because the distance is quite uh, quite long within the between the cities and in general is definitely giving the best economics what we can achieve from that uh, from that aircraft so one another way we'll see that new technology should replace the old one and we would, uh, we would like to be the one who is doing that and taking that, that part from the very beginning. Obviously, when you entered into the market, you did some type of research and study in the region, respectively. How do you see the A321 freighter being able to perform in the high altitude areas like Quito or Bogota for operational purposes? I think so. It's, it's not really, uh, let's say, depends on the, on the 321 as a freighter. So if the passenger aircraft can operate there, so definitely freighters also can do that. So it's all, as per my understanding, it depends on the pilot's qualification, on the, some of the additional trainings, what needs to be done. It's nothing like more, it's nothing different what we do in the, some specific airports in Europe, uh, in, in, in other regions. So things of the preparation and fully understandable your customer, where they need to serve, what exactly they, they're going to bring is again, is it like uh, more restrictions on the payload or the volume? Sometimes the volume might be much bigger than the, the payload, so this definitely the performance will not be so restricted, even in some of the uh, areas, let's call it. Okay. Now, as you have obviously started with Sky Canada over in the Dominican Republic, um, you also do have an existing relationship with, with an express integrator. Would that be something that you're looking to continue in this region as well with that similar partner or even a, a, another express integrator that may have interest in entering the market? Definitely the market is, is, is very, very big and we, I think so it's still 
quite specific because some of the regions, they again going on the ACMI perspective, it requires some of the different infrastructure, either uh, traffic rights, either AOC, either anything what might uh, be, uh, let's say, needed for that region. So definitely express carriers, as we started with the DHL in Europe, it's becoming our launch customer for the program itself. And uh, we started the Caribbean region with the Skycana. We also have some, some of the leads, let's say, in, uh, in, in Latin and North America with, with whom we are working. So um, I cannot say that it's very, very specific to work uh, with, the, with the one customer. On another hand, uh, together with Skycana, we're opening these doors and we definitely we should work together as much as we can to develop that market and not to have only two aircraft, but maybe deliver. Uh, even more in the very near future. So it all depends on the various factors, how we can serve that on the maximum level, what we want to achieve and what our customer needs. So let's, uh, just to, to expand the, the reach, um, going back to Europe where your A321, may, most of your A321s are flying within Europe. Correct. What's, um, how's their performance? Uh, have, you, have you been satisfied? How satisfied have you been with the performance? Well, all the time, knew that we'll face some more challenges than other operators being the first launch customer, let's say, with some of the STC and being the second on another STC. So, uh, of course, we had the very beginning, uh, the, the beginning was quite challenging, especially on the on the stock, on the, on the spears and the Europe support, let's say. But we are the biggest ACMI in the world, uh, operator in the world, and I mean, we have more than 40 aircrafts on the 320 uh, family, which is also giving us, uh, I mean, much easier, uh, letting us to, to operate that much on a much easier way, uh, because not the big difference what we have on the freighter or the, the passenger fleet, it's, it's the same aircraft in general, we, we just do not have cabin crews on the, on the freighters, it's simple as it. During our discussion panel on session four, it was mentioned that the A321 would have to prove itself over the next two to three, possibly four years. Do you see that as be being one of the first operators to operate the Freenotite as an advantage or a disadvantage? You know, I believe that it's more advantage and especially uh, when we selected that program is, uh, is the best cargo narrow body existing in the market is absolutely clear for us uh, on the reliability performance and uh, we knew that aircraft from the passenger fleet so it's nothing uh, let's say, which is surprisingly surprising us uh, positively or negatively. Uh, looking on the overall product, uh, I think so. This giving us the huge opportunities because we are holding the majority slots uh, for the next two years. We have uh, the best, uh, let's say, opportunities to convert them uh, from the uh, from the assets we acquired during the COVID time, which is giving us the best economics, and not only for us, it's giving the best economics for our clients. So, definitely, being the first year eating part of the uh, of, of the bad things what what comes together with an STC or the some of the uh, regulation or some of the new type for the authorities or new type for the uh, EASA and etc but on another hand uh, definitely we feel that as an advantage and uh, being the biggest 321 freighter let's say operator in the two years we're reaching 22 airplanes in total definitely giving us quite a big uh, quite a big reach and, and, and uh, good ground to, to develop that even more. Now with that being said, depending on the you know success in your venture into this region, would you be, uh, would you are, are you already looking at uh, going beyond that number or are you pretty comfortable just staying right there for now? You know, uh, 321 uh, program 
one day will become something like uh, 737-800, right, where you have many STCs, you have many conversion houses, just you need the feedstock, but you all the time can get, can get a slot uh, to convert that aircraft. Um, looking into, uh, into the hour program, Definitely, we're looking for the for the bigger fleet. For now, maybe the ramp up will not be so high uh, as we're still spreading them through the years. Uh, but we're still keeping our initial plan to reach uh, in the 2024 around 22, 24 aircraft depends on the deliveries. Plus, we're integrating the 330 program on the full freighter, which is like giving us close to I mean 30 aircraft, even a bit more. Uh, till 2025, which is uh, quite exciting, and I believe this is uh, this is the fleet where we definitely are becoming one of the uh, main players, especially on the um, on that kind of uh, product. So you're um, operating both uh, the EFW conversion and the precision conversion for the A321. What's that like having two different STCs, and, and how would you compare the two? You know, it's a million-dollar question. That's, that's all the time uh, people ask me, and uh, we're still keeping our strategy, and we still have, uh, let's say, f almost 50-50, uh, continuing with precision and continuing with EFW. Why? Uh, because uh, both conversion have pros and cons for uh, for the end customer, and uh, from the smartlings perspective, it doesn't matter if it's cargo or passenger. You all the time caring about your customer, and they have a chance to select what exactly fits their needs, right? Um, on the density, on the range, on the a bit lower DOCs. And uh, probably this is the, the, the critical to have that portfolio. And in general, after a few years, when uh, when the program will be, uh, let's say, on, on, on the bigger scale, maybe some of the customers will select precision, some of the customers will select TFW and will still have a chance to relocate these units because most of them, they're either whitetail, either specific with the day, with, uh, with delivery, but even our existing customer, they have uh, two of each, right? So mm -hmm. it's, it's also showing the, 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 the trend that still both of the uh, conversions, let's say, and the STCs still work with a certain routes or customers. So keeping all options open. Yeah, yeah that, that's that's the, our goal. And, uh, you know, you still want to be, uh, let's say, very united on, on the, some of the specific stuff. But uh, it's the same with an engines. We all the time thought that, uh, okay, on the, on the freighters, uh, we need to keep one engine type. But uh, the specific on, especially on the noise certificate, was like one of the huge challenge we have now, and especially on the CFM powered engine, uh, that uh, Europe is requiring these Chapter 4 noise certificate, right? And uh, V type engines, they already have it. Uh, for CFM, you need to invest quite a big amount of money to reach that. So it's still, uh, let's say, like also 50 50 looking in the all opportunities what we can achieve. You talked about the A330s coming um, next year. What can we expect um, on the wide body front um, from SmartLinks? You already have a very ambitious plan for the A321s. Um, what more can we expect on the A330 side? You know, this uh, we started 330 program during the COVID on the passenger side, still carrying the boxes in the <laughs> in the cabins without uh, without the seats. That was kind of nice uh, try. Um, you know, from the SmartLink's perspective, we started 321 program, we are continuing with 330 program, looking at the most of the similarities, what the types have uh, between, I mean, between each other, right? Uh, we still, it's very, very easy, let's say, to accommodate two uh, types. 
And for us, it's quite uh, obvious to continue that program and to take another segment, which is also growing on the mid-wide uh, wide body side, right? So um, we already see quite a big interest on uh, on the free ferries. Uh, the biggest part uh, already was allocated for the integrators or for some other carriers. So probably will be one of the first also who, uh, who uh, the company which will have uh, both types and then we can serve even the same customer with the two different types. Well, look forward to uh, seeing that um, and good luck for the rest of your, your growth plans. Thank you so much, Ed. Thank you very much, Jens. Yes, thanks. Thank you, Ed. And thanks again to Ed at SmartLinks. Andrew, you had a question. My, my question was going to be, Asia is a area of growth and Asia and Latin America are both out there as far as regions of the world where um, the overlying theme is growth, growth, growth. Um, how do you see that playing out in Latin America? I know in certain other uh, developing markets, there's a emphasis on regional freighters and regional co connectivity, while in Asia you have the um, emphasis on wide body growth. Uh, what, how do you, what was the takeaway from this event? Where do you think you're going to see the largest uh, sector of that growth pour out? Yeah, I think that's an interesting question because uh, the the growth um, similarities are are there, um, but the when you think about the geography of these two different regions, um, and I think at least one or two panelists uh, actually mentioned this, but um, you have um, some pretty long distances between major um, cities, and then you have. Um, some high altitude regions as well in, in Latin America or South America. Um, so uh, I think um, the that we will see um, probably more uh, of the, the newer generation narrow bodies um, entering the region. Uh, in fact, Andres Bianchi at that time um, was he was pretty seemed pretty convinced that um, large wide bodies are it's hard to make large wide bodies work um for this region um and we of course know that's not the case for asia um in fact many most carriers are expanding with large wide bodies um so there there are differences between um these two regions um but the growth portion and um yeah that's definitely true and um part of that is uh, the the recurring theme of um, e-commerce, although that's not the only uh, factor. Now, in, in addition to that, you know, just to piggyback off what Jeff was saying, you're going to see a lot of growth in the narrow body segment in the Latin American region. You are looking to see the growth take place where there's already established infrastructure and commonality and import export trade regulations and tariff rates until the rest of the continent or the region rather gets up to speed and establish it, establishes a uniform uh, approach to how to handle import, export, and customs, you're going to just basically see a lot of it, you know, coming out of the, the typical places like Sao Paulo, Quito, Panama City, uh, Bogota, just to name a few places, Mexico City, um, until those issues are addressed and governments kind of realign their open skies and trade and import export agreements to make it easier to move a lot of the e-commerce and payload volume cargo in and out of the region. Well, that's that's all extremely exciting and certainly a lot for us to process. 
But that's going to be all the time that we have for today. Uh, for more multimedia coverage like this, search Cargo Facts Connect on iTunes and Spotify and search CargoFacts.com. Thank you very much for tuning in and join us again next time.